Amen. Will you please turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel according to John, chapter 15, where we will look together at verses 1 through 6. That is John 15, 1 through 6. You can find that passage on page 1060 in your pew Bibles. Over the next two or three weeks, we're going to be looking together at really what is a well-known parable here in John 15, and we are going to be considering the life of those who truly live by faith in union with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There seems to exist in the church in our day much confusion over this very critical aspect of the Christian life. What does the supernatural gift of faith lived to the glory of God by the grace of Almighty God, look like in our lives. Well, beloved, our confessions have much to say to us about what faith is, what faith does, and indeed, what faith looks like. And really, they do add some much-needed clarity to this most critical piece of the Christian life. The Belgic Confession of Faith says this in Article 22, and it's one that ought to be familiar to it. We to you. We just looked at it a few weeks ago in consideration of justification in Romans. But it says this, we believe that to attain the true knowledge of this great mystery, that is justification by faith, the Holy Spirit kindles in our hearts an upright faith, which embraces Jesus Christ with all of his merits, appropriates him, and seeks nothing more besides him. For it must needs follow either that all things which are requisite to our salvation are not in Jesus Christ, or if all things are in him, that then those who possess Jesus Christ through faith have complete salvation in him. Therefore, for any to assert that Christ is not sufficient, but that something more is required besides him, would be too gross a blasphemy. For hence it would follow that Christ was but half a Savior. Therefore, we justly say with Paul that we are justified by faith alone or by faith apart from the deeds of the law. However, to speak more clearly, we do not mean that faith itself justifies us, for it is only an instrument with which we embrace Christ our righteousness. Jesus Christ imputing to us all his merits and so many holy works which he has done for us and in our stead is our righteousness. And faith is an instrument that keeps us in communion with him in all of his benefits, which when they become ours are more than sufficient to acquit us of our sins. So beloved, you see the clarity here, right? Faith itself is not the thing that you and I go in search of within ourselves through our own constant navel-gazing in order to obtain salvation. Rather, it's simply the instrument that allows us to see and embrace Jesus Christ as all that we will ever need. It is the gift of God. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And it is most certainly not something that man finds within himself. 
seems to be such a simple distinction. Yet this week, as I've been considering it, I really think that it gets to the root of one of the great problems in so much of the church today. The church and the world, for that matter, is full of people who are just looking for something to believe in. Something to define themselves by. Something that distinguishes them, that gives them identity and yet somehow allows for their individual identities to remain intact, even untouched. We live in a day and age where Christians are flocking in droves towards even embracing every new wind of doctrine. Christianity has even become palatable to those who would claim any number of different ways to reach personal happiness and satisfaction in this life. Claiming Buddha and Allah, Jesus, or any number of deities all bring one to the exact same place. Remember, this is not only coming just from those who are outside of the visible church. But sad as it may be, most often it's coming from those who are recognized by many as being inside. They're selling methods that can supposedly lead to salvation as long as the intentions of the seeking one are somehow ruled to be virtuous or good. People are searching for ways to heaven. But not all of them are really necessarily concerned with the truth. They're looking for something that will get them there on their own terms, something that can bless them without somehow offending their personal convictions. People are not so much opposed even to the supernatural, so long as it fits within this type of loose, all-inclusive framework. They have itching ears that long to be tickled. The Christian life in our day is being defined not by the perfect, inerrant, and infallible Word of God, but by mass marketing models, clever, witty slogans, catchwords, and phrases, a language, a look, as profiteers who know all about man's sinful need to do something significant in this world rake in staggering profits. And they do it by promising riches, happiness, name recognition, and of course they all claim to have in their possession the secret key, the secret recipe for success for all who will simply follow their plan and trust God to work with them for their ultimate benefit. They have plans that even will promise that there will be in substantial evidence Material signs that a person has sort of broke on through to the other side. And that evidence, of course, is material and personal success. And it will be there, they say, if you just step out in faith and buy my secret plan. Place your faith in my understanding and allow me to just open up some of the glory for you. This is the life of faith. Just come, sit down. Let me tell you all that I know. Let me show you what God has shown me. Let me give you the hidden keys of life. Let me show you how you can break on through. Right? It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It maybe has been attractive even to those of us here. The idea 
that the name of Jesus will bring about the fulfillment of your dreams and the perfect, well-ordered, well-structured, good life where everything just looks and feels great. Though all of us undoubtedly recognize this stuff as being in existence, if not even the norm in what we now in what now calls itself evangelical Christianity. Beloved, I want to tell you this morning that it is a life that is foreign to the pages of the Bible. It's my desire to call us back to the Word of God this morning, where Jesus draws a picture for his disciples of exactly what the Christian life should indeed look like. And surprisingly enough, we see that the glory belongs not with men, but entirely with Almighty God alone. And I want to point out to you three things here, specifically taught by Jesus Christ to his followers through this picture of union with Christ, illustrated by Jesus with this picture of a vine and its branches. So I'd like you to follow along as I read now John 15, again, reading verses 1 through 6. Jesus speaking says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. This is the word of our Lord, and may he always bless the reading of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we're grateful for the opportunity that we have each and every Lord's Day to sit under the preaching of your word. We pray that you would bless that time this morning. Pray that your spirit would fill me, that I would handle your word correctly and in a way that brings you glory and honor, and in a way that transforms us through the power of your spirit. Father, we Pray that you would clear our hearts and our minds from the many things that distract us in this life. That we might give our attention to the wonderful truth of your word and hearing it, be transformed by it for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus is here once again teaching his followers by speaking to them in a parable. And he's not trying to tell them that he is a literal vine and that they are literal branches. Rather, he's using this illustration of a vine and branches to teach them what what the Christian life is truly all about and how it is that we, that is that you and I, can live in this fallen world with these fallen bodies until that time that he comes again in glory and makes all things new. Because it appears in this type of format, a parable, it's important for us to make certain that we find the main thing that Jesus Christ is illuminating for his sheep here. And so in order to do that, we need to look just briefly at what has happened immediately prior to the teaching of this lesson. Jesus has just completed the very unappealing task 
of of washing his disciples' feet. And he uses the opportunity to not only call them to self-sacrificial service within the kingdom of God, but also to illustrate that only by being washed by Jesus himself, that is by his blood, is one ever truly made clean. He spent some time comforting his disciples in chapter 14. He has cheered their hearts with his words. He spent some time answering some of the questions they had. And now here he is giving to them the true secret of life in the kingdom of God. He is illuminating the Christian life, the life lived by faith in the Son of God. And he's doing it for his sheep. The first thing that I think Jesus points us to here is the incredible close union that exists between him and all of those who by faith belong to him. He compares that relationship to that of a vine and its branches. And he, at this point in his illustration, is focusing in on his relationship to the Father and then his relationship to them, his disciples, their relationship to him in this life. And he says to them, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus compares himself to a vine or to the main stem of a tree. The stem or the vine, as it were, is the means of distributing nourishment to the entire tree. It's the very source of life for the tree. It is a part of that integral root system by which all of life is enabled to flow throughout the branches of the vine. He also says, just as clearly here, that we are the branches of that tree. Verse 5, Jesus is the vine, the Father is the vine dresser, and we are the branches. And as as branches, we cannot flourish or even maintain any appearance of real vitality, of any real or lasting health, unless we are completely, entirely abiding in the vine. This term abide shows up by my count 10 times in the first 11 verses of this 15th chapter of the gospel according to John. It simply means to remain or to stay. And so we have this picture of a very close, very intimate relationship between Jesus who is the source of life itself to us and us. We who are the recipients of that life as we receive that life from the vine. The branches that are utterly reliant upon the vine for any life. If the vine does not bring forth the rich sap of life, the branch eventually ceases to flourish and becomes lifeless. The life and vitality of the branch must be supplied entirely by the vine. And I can remember as a kid, and I think I've told you this before, learning this about plants. And even as I repeat this story, I'm very much aware that I wasn't that bright of a kid. When I was a kid, I grew up on a pretty big piece of property. And throughout our property, we had something like 165 fruit trees on our property. My favorite tree was on the very back of our property. It was this beautiful, red, delicious apple tree. 
And one day we had a, a really bad storm that, that blew through our, our yard and I was walking on the back of our property and I noticed that the storm had knocked this large branch of the tree down. It had ripped it right from the trunk and it was full of apples laying on the ground with green leaves and big, fat, juicy red apples. And to a young child's mind, what could be the only thing better than having one beautiful, red, delicious apple tree that always produced the best apples? It was to have two. And having two of them was a wonderful notion, and I didn't have the patience to wait the years that it would take to plant just a seed and wait patiently. So I took the branch with all of the ripe fruit and the green leaves, and I dug it down into the ground thinking that I would now be the beneficiary of two mature fruit-producing trees. Again, I wasn't that bright. And of course, after a couple of days, what happened? Well, the leaves began to turn brown and fall off, and the bark began to look sort of gray and sickly, and the beautiful red apples began to turn a wretched, soggy brown because the tree was dead, because it wasn't a tree. It was a branch. There was no root system. The branch was not being nourished by the vine or the trunk. There was no means of providing nourishment for itself, and so it died. It withered and died. Removed from the vine, the branch does not become a new and independent plant. It dies. It cannot thrive without being nourished by the vine. It is the closest possible conceivable relationship and in one sense at least we we read this in scripture and we say well the the parallel is pretty obvious right when one does not have his foundation and the very root of the lord jesus christ he simply will not stand on his own the life of christ is our life or we remain dead and withered It's interesting. There's really no such thing as independence from God, is there? There's no such thing as real autonomy. There's no solidarity for the one who embraces the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are either fed by the perfect nourishment of his word, his merits, his righteousness, his perfection, his death, his resurrected life, or whatever the the appearance may appear to be, unless we are part of that life-giving vine of Jesus Christ through union with him by faith, we are what the early church fathers referred to as running to wood. Have you ever heard that term? Running to wood. I actually love that term. They meant that we for a time may have the appearance of life, we may have a tint of greenness to our branch, But we may in truth be moving with lightning speed towards death where we simply become wood good only for kindling and fire. That's the picture here. And you can see it is a relationship that has the branch totally and completely entirely dependent upon the vine for life itself. Outside of being plugged into the vine, the branch only has death. Abiding in the vine is life in Christ alone, and it is life and abundant. Beloved, do you see it? It's not Jesus and that causes us to thrive in the Christian life. 
That, that is man's husbandry. That makes man the vine dresser. And it's taken precedence over the word of God to develop growth and health. Jesus and my service. Jesus and my work. Jesus and my sincerity, my good intentions. It's life in Jesus by faith alone. Life and dependence upon Jesus Christ for all that I will ever need in this life. Life lived to the glory of God. Beloved, do you see it here? What do you consider to be the life of faith? Ask yourself this morning, are you far too easily satisfied? Jesus says, abide in me. Be in union with me and I with you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The second thing that I think becomes painfully obvious in this text is that not all branches on the vine are really receiving nourishment from the vine. There are in this picture branches that seem to have the appearance of being an integral part of the tree, but are truthfully only there to die. Do you see that? We've talked about it many times before. In the church of Jesus Christ, there are many branches. Only some of them bear fruit, and it's only those that are bearing fruit that are manifesting life from receiving the life-sustaining sap from the vine. There's no such thing as a branch that's being nourished by the vine, but somehow remaining entirely fruitless. Jesus says it again in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. A branch that has part in the vine bears fruit. And you see, it's not left open-ended. Jesus does not say that in most cases, branches that belong to me as the true vine will probably bear some fruit. He says they that remain in him because they belong in him, because they belong to him, because they abide in him, because they receive life from him, bear fruit. Raises some difficult questions, doesn't it? I think first and foremost we have to say, well, what is this, the fruit of this type of relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, I can tell you it's certainly not material success. It's not being cured from all of your sicknesses and diseases. And it's not having a perfect painless life in the here and now, free from all affliction and all discomfort. It is not that. We are fortunate here because the word of God is very clear when it comes to the subject of fruit. Fruit is spelled out clearly for us in the scriptures and it has to do with changes that come about and are manifested externally stemming from changes that have been made internally from within. Changes that God makes. A transformed heart in this sense, is the grafting in of the branch to the life-giving vine. 
Right? You understand, this is what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. The word of God is open to us by the power of his spirit. And that is the way in which we receive all that is necessary to produce fruit in the Christian life. And that fruit is spelled out for us in many places. One of those is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We're familiar with it, right? Fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So this is one of the ways that you can know that you are, in fact, abiding in the vine. That is, that you are, by faith alone, relying upon Jesus Christ and His righteousness. For all the nourishment you could ever need in this life for the one to come. His righteousness alone is exactly what you need. And he gives it to those who are his. You belong to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. You are his possession. He cares for you. He loves you. He works in and through you to produce this fruit for his kingdom. Only he can produce it. You cannot, through your own power, manufacture this fruit. You are not the vine dresser. You are not the vine. You are a branch that receives life and nourishment entirely outside of yourself. And that distinction, I think, is where so much of what calls itself evangelical Christianity gets the Christian life wrong. We hear the gospel and we get busy trying to live up to the calling. Trying to produce fruit for our kingdoms and for our legacies. Trying to clean up who and what we are in Adam. And it won't do. We see some of Christ's glory and we get busy trying in vain to produce some fruit of our own. We see the glory of faith and we get busy trying to just duplicate a look. That's the difference between biblical fruit and the so-called fruit that says you can have your best life right now. I can manufacture some success. I can smile through my pain perhaps, but I cannot in my heart love God and his people with all that I am, apart from his grace given to me through the person and work of the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. These things are the direct result of true spiritual food. And so, beloved, I'm asking you to ask yourselves some of those difficult questions this morning. Do you know these fruits? Is love present in your life? Do you love God? Do you love your neighbor? I'm not asking you if you do it perfectly. I know you don't. Would you say there's no one that you love more than yourself? Is there no opinion more important to you than your own? You see, if you're being fed by the vine of Jesus Christ, you will have love in your heart supernaturally, and it will be evident both to you and those around you in time. Are you kind? 
Does it bring you joy to do nice things for people? Do you honestly care? Do you have joy in Jesus Christ? Not an appearance of joy. I'm not talking about plastic joy. Actual joy. Are you content in the beauty of the gospel? Are you at peace this morning? Truly at peace. Are you patient as your Lord has been patient with you? With the people you know, recognize that you are gentle and that you exhibit some self-control. I want you to understand these are not things you strive for. They are changes that are brought about through the process of sanctification to the branch that is by the grace of God receiving life-giving nourishment through union by faith in the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the fruit that becomes evident in our good works. Right? This is what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 86. It asks that question. Since then, we are redeemed from our misery by grace through Christ without any merit of ours. Why would we even do good works? The answer is because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit after his own image. That with our whole life, we show ourselves thankful to God for his blessing, that he be glorified through us, then also that we ourselves may be assured by our faith, by the fruits thereof, and by our godly walk, win others to Christ. You understand, a manufactured walk will not win others to Christ. It may win them to your way of life, may win them to bowing down before your particular idols. But what does your life point towards? A vine outside of you and your effort? Or do a few foolish branches own vain quest for autonomy? Brothers and sisters in Christ, being a part of the vine produces actual fruit in the life of the branch. What about those where there is no fruit? Well, Jesus said in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, if anyone is not in union with me by faith, faith that God gives, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Are you bearing the fruit of the Spirit of Almighty God in your body because you have the powerful, life-giving sap of the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ, running through you, producing everything you need to be found righteous in Him? Or are you running to wood this morning? Fruit is the only satisfactory evidence that we need to know whether someone is truly a Christian. We say it all the time, the the gospel leaves no one unaffected. Has your life been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ? According to the word of God, if you belong to Christ, he is working this fruit into your life through the precious grace of God. 
The fruit of the Spirit is the natural product of a heart that is full of gratitude to God for such an amazing salvation as is ours in Jesus Christ. And the third and final point I would bring to your attention this morning is that Jesus makes it very clear what will happen to the one that has a hearty trust in him and by the grace of God remains in him. He says that the one who abides in him can expect that he will not be simply left alone because of his remaining in him, but that he will be made more and more like Jesus through a process of pruning. So if this is where you think I tell you, well, if you remain in Christ, everything gets easy. Everything is wonderful. Nothing is difficult. We would be much better off listening to the word of God that says, in Christ there is pruning. We're never left alone. God doesn't justify us and leave us to ourselves. Jesus makes it clear here to all who have ears to hear that the child of God will be made to produce more and more fruit. You are the product of the work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 2. Verse 2, Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. It never had life. Every branch that bears fruit, those that by the grace of God are in union with Christ, those who are attached to the vine, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Do you grasp what Jesus is saying here? He says, look, those who do not abide in me, those branches that may look like they have a part in me but do not bear fruit, do not belong, they will eventually be cut from the vine and cast away as fuel for the fire. The implication is, of course, those who by the grace of God are abiding in the, in the vine will remain in the vine for eternity. But he doesn't just leave it there. It's not as if that's the final word. There will be those that stay and bear fruit and those that are going to be burned in the eternal punishment of God's holy wrath in hell. But Jesus addresses again those who remain as true branches and he says, yes, by the grace of God, because of the mercy of God, because of the love of God, they will be pruned. What is this pruning? Well, beloved, it's the painful process of sanctification. Where you and I are more and more being conformed and molded and made into the image of Jesus Christ, even and especially through the providential circumstances that Almighty God brings into our lives. Do you hear the word of God this morning? Your suffering, your pain, your sorrow, your disappointment, your difficulty, your worry, your fear, your doubts. If you live in reliance upon the vine, those things have an originator that, is, that has a far more glorious purpose in those things than ultimately your self-pity and your defeated attitude. The purpose behind your difficulty The purpose behind your circumstances is the glory of the Creator and the life of the created. And this is a far cry from the materialistic Christian perspective that seems to rule the day, isn't it? 
God is not simply giving his people their best life now, but he is, in fact, allowing things, dare I say, using things like affliction and suffering and persecution in our lives to conform us into the image of Jesus. To push us towards the Lord Jesus Christ, to teach us, to rely wholeheartedly upon him to meet every single one of our needs. Why is this so important? Beloved, trials and tribulations are not meant to crush the people of God, but to make them more holy. To bring about more and more fruit. Through our trials, through our afflictions, we are weaned from our reliance upon ourselves in this world, and we are turned toward Jesus Christ and His life. The Father is the vine dresser, the husbandman, the gardener. And he's actively pruning his branches, disciplining with the love of the perfect father for the sake of his children and for the sake of his own magnificent name. He's actively drawing us to more and more reliance upon him, causing us to hunger for his word, to thirst for his righteousness, to find peace amid the storms of this life. You know, as I reflected this past week, I realized how true this has been in the history of the church. Men like Peter and Paul and the other apostles spent the remainder of their days on earth suffering for the cause of Christ, dying for it joyfully. They were branches being pruned by the hand of the vine dresser, even as they received life from the vine. I thought of the men who've really been used of God to add to the kingdom and the fact that they never had simple, easy, comfortable lives. Men like John Calvin, who was plagued with serious health problems throughout his ministry in the flesh. A man like Charles Spurgeon, who suffered with so many afflictions and sicknesses, including very intense bouts with depression and anxiety throughout his ministry. They were being pruned to the glory of God. And their lives have borne the fruit which proves it. My point is, beloved, that to think that coming to Jesus is the way to have the finer things in life is an absolute absurdity and it runs contrary to what we find in Holy Scripture where we are told that as branches we can expect to be pruned. Not to oppress us. Not to kill us. Not to move us towards despair and self-pity, but to drive us to Jesus and His righteousness to conform us into his image and to bring about his glory. The victorious Christian life is not a life free of trouble and pain, but a life that is spent for the life to come to the glory of God. I'm not advocating purposeful suffering to show piety. That's not what is meant here. But we do see the promise of Christ to his sheep that they will be prepared by the loving hand of the Father for the life to come. Beloved, do you hear the word of God? Do you really want to know this morning how to break on through to the other side? Are you looking for the, the secret for a purposeful life? Trust in Jesus Christ and his righteousness alone as being sufficient to supply, to supply everything you need, including salvation from your sin.
Look to the cross and embrace the one who took the penalty you deserve so that you could be righteous in him. His perfect righteousness being imputed imputed to you. And abide in Jesus Christ. Remain joyfully in the vine, trusting him to supply everything you need to flourish as a fruitful branch for his glory on his tree in his kingdom. And live this life in appreciation of the glory of the gospel. See the afflictions that are part of this life as just more evidence of the tremendous love of the Father for his children who as the perfect vine dresser prunes those belonging and remaining on the vine. Those who are being fed the perfect nourishment of the vine through union with Jesus Christ by faith and whose lives bear the glorious fruit of the Spirit as every single one of us live our lives before the face of Almighty God. Amen? Let's pray.